Well, let's turn to Joshua 24, verse 15. And we've been in this Let's Eat series. We've been talking about families, relationships within families. And uh, I think the Holy Spirit's really been using this. How many have been growing in all this? If you haven't listened to it, go listen to all of it. I mean, it's a lot of great stuff that we've covered. And uh, I want us to read this text together, if you'll join me, okay? Choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So there is the influence of pagan, anti-God influence that's on your family. And Joshua's telling them, as we have gone into this promised land, he's telling them, you got to make a decision what you're going to serve. But I love this last line. Let's say it together. Come on, let's say it as a statement of faith for ourselves and our families. Ready? Come on. But as for me and we will serve the Lord. Can somebody say amen and give him praise to the affirmation of that? Amen. And it's really simple. You know, the, the, the path of let's eat's been very simple. It's about, it's, it's really simple in the word of God. It's husbands loves, wives respect, parents train, children obey. Children obey. We've been covering a few of these things. So let me, let me ask you a question. How many times, how many of you at least said to your kids while they were growing up, eat your vegetables? How many, hold them up real high to eat your vegetables. Almost every parent. I don't know if your outcome was the same outcome that Pastor Brenda and I had with our son Nathan. This is no lie. He would never eat green beans. Never eat green beans. So we looked at the child. He had the concept of money and knew that you could buy things with money. We said, Nathan, we will give you one. This was back a long time ago. This is almost 29 years ago. Maybe 28 years ago. I know. How old was he? Probably three. He's 27. He'll be 29. You know, this, this conversation is not in my notes right now. I just want you to know that. <laughs> but this is no lie. We told him we'll give you $100 if you'll eat one green bean. 100 bucks, folks. We were desperate. Don't be so hard on this. 100 bucks. He was ready to eat that green bean. He took that green bean, God is my witness, took one bite and started gagging and and gave up the hundred bucks. I'm telling you, he gave up the hundred bucks. Eat your vegetables. Well, how many know, I was listening to uh, uh, Dr. Collar that was here the other, uh, uh, one Wednesday ago, and he was talking about when you, he said, if you want to know if you're eating healthy, there's got to be a lot of color on your plate, a lot of vegetables. And how many know it's, it is good, whether you're young or old, eating vegetables really is very healthy for you. And some of you are nodding your head, but you think I'm talking about carrot cake and pumpkin pie. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? And seriously, if we'd eat more vegetables, life expectancy would be a whole lot longer, you know? Um, I think life expectancy would grow if broccoli just smelled and tasted like bacon. I think it would, it would grow. Don't you think? It would grow. Just, God, why didn't you make it taste and smell like bacon? We'd be done here. 
But the toughest group to get to eat vegetables, without a doubt, are probably kids. Probably kids. And uh, so today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk, I'm going to talk to those who are children that don't leave yet because you're 86. Because you're still behaving the way you were when you were 13. So just because you dominate chronologically does not mean that you have developed spiritually. That wasn't in my notes either, and it was pretty good. <laughs> Colossians 3.20, if you'll go with me there, please, just for a moment. It says, children, everybody say children. Be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This is pleases God. How many want to be a God-pleaser? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey them in the, obey them in the Lord. And in all things is what he's telling them. Now, when you look at the word children, some of you are checking out right now, but Colossians 3 does not put a limit on the age. Now, it, it technically does refer to any child of any parent, any child of any parent that still lives in the home and under the guidance and the authority of their parents. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, let me put it in plain English. If you're in the house and they're paying your bills, pay attention. <laughs> Boy, the parents' amens are not strong enough this morning for me, I'll just tell you. But I want to say something to you is when you say these kind of things and you go to this past scripture, everybody begins to check out. Do not tune out. Because whether you like it or not, at my age or if they're at 12 years of age, I am still a child of God. And some of us, seriously, some people still carry out the rebellion that they did against their parents, and they are now 62 and 56, and they're still carrying out the rebellion toward their heavenly father as they did their earthly parents. They lack honor. They disrespect. And in that honor and respect of God and his order, guess what happens? There's a great blessing that comes upon us. Now, I know this right now because I know I'm talking about myself. How many know parents are not perfect? Oh, my goodness. Let me go to this section over here. It's a little younger. Let me see if I can get an amen out of here. How many of you know your parents are not perfect? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all need to filter out through the auditorium here. They're not perfect. You will find faults in your parents just like my kids found fault in Brendan and me. And there were times we were actually wrong. It was one time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you will find faults in your parents, especially as you get older, you will find faults in them. And I'm going to be honest with you. As you get frustrated and you get older, you should try to talk to your parents when you're frustrated over a situation. But let me say this on the outset. That is not your primary function as a child or a teenager is to straighten your parent out. That is not your primary role. And it's not what God expects of you, and that's not his primary goal for your life. In fact, God expects you to honor your parents and obey them. That's his only expectation. Honor them and obey them. And you're going to find out that obedience pleases God. And for those of you that are 56 or 86, and you're still in this rebellion against what God's word teaches your heavenly father, you're going to watch the windows of blessing 
Come and joy come into your life in a realm you never knew before if you'll get the same thing that the 13-year-old grabs a hold of today. And somebody say amen to that. And some of you say, well, I've been around my nieces and nephews, and I'm going to tell you I have come to this great revelation. I am never having children. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. God bless you. But do you know this, young people, singles? Do you know that when you listen to this teaching and all the teaching of Let's Eat, do you know you, really, you are really training yourself to be a successful parent today? So don't tune out while you're 12, 13, 16, 18, 21, 26, because what you're doing is you're actually here today training yourself to be the kind of parent God wants you to be. So let me just kind of break it down into three things here that I think might help us, help us out. Here is the thing that God expects. Here's the first thing, is that parents lead. Parents lead. If I could just use the word lead, is you model. You model. Every parent models. Whether they're a good parent or a bad parent, they are modeling something that is being taken away. There are good pastors and bad pastors. There are good employers and bad employers. They're all leading, whether they like it or not, influencing somewhere negative or positive. We are all leading. All of us are leading. But parents lead. I like Titus 2.7. Look at this. I love this scripture. It says, and you yourselves must be an... What's the next word, everybody? Can you say that out loud? Example. It's not you might be. You must be an example believer to them by doing, not just saying, but doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. I like How many enjoyed Pastor Troy speaking last Sunday? Did you love that? Man, it was awesome. That was so great. Our children's pastor talking to us about identifying and helping our children grow. And he was absolutely right. That statement that I say is actually true. Just because you model something is not a guarantee that your child will. But if you don't model it, it is, example, it is a guarantee that they will not follow your modeling. So if you want to really be serious, it's not about what you say. It's about what you do. You can say it, but are you actually doing it? So here's what I'm saying is that for the parents, if we're leading, let me talk to you first, is there is a parental timeline. There is a window of your parenting that you need to pay attention to. So if you're not married yet, or you want to get married, you don't have kids, or you have kids right now, you need to understand that there is a parenting window that you need to grab a hold of. It's very important. I think there's something going on with the lights. Uh, let's pick up an offering. We need to fix the lights. Amen. <laughs> But there's a, a window that you really need to, and it changes. The problem is that some parents don't know the parenting window, and as a result, you're trying to put the same demands on your 18-year-old that you did when they were 13 years old and when they were 12 years old, and it's not working. It's because you do not understand there is a parental window and timeline. You say, well, I just wish I had the resources. I want to give you the, one of the greatest resources, the gifts that Grand Rapids First will ever give you. Go to your app. Everybody just go to your app. Go to your mobile device. Get on the app and go to resources. Just hit resources. Under resources, you're going to find something called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is one of the greatest blessings that this church could ever give you. And many of you need to grab a hold of it. Just sign up on it. But it is the Netflix of all Christian teaching to help you in every area of your life. And if you'll go sign up on that, you'll find one down there called, it's, it's one on uh, popular Bible studies on parenting. How to have a new kid by Friday. Everybody's going to listen to that today. I mean, there's great stuff in here. 
how to talk to your teenager, dealing with the porn dilemma if your child is in porn. Every situation you think of, there's one on finances, there's apologetics. Everybody sign up on Right Now Media. If you're not taking advantage, you are missing one of the greatest blessings we could ever give you because I can't break everything down in the parenting window, but there's a lot of great stuff. There's gonna be a lot of great small groups starting understanding the timeline that God is giving you, so check it out. But here's the timeline. Let me skip it to you real quick. From zero to five, you're the dictator. <laughs> There's no, they can't take car keys and take off and leave you, okay? They're, they're, you are the dictator. You are said. They think you're the greatest hero. You're God. Everything is right. Everything you say is right, okay? That, you're, if you can, you're kind of the dictator. This is when your no needs to be no and your yes needs to be yes. You have to be very clear and understanding. This is where you got to win key battles in the zero to five age that a lot of people don't win. It's when you need to grab the reins of authority early that they understand honor and respect. They start learning, understanding the parental authority. This is where you have to conquer the rebellious will. I'm not talking about being cruel, but you've got to find ways to deal with their rebellion. Willful disobedience needs to have a consequence and too many parents do not give the consequence or tell them the parameters. I'm not, I don't have time to get into all of it, but go listen to some tea. It'll really help you. And when you discipline, this is very important, you discipline in love and never in anger in the zero to five. You'll be surprised what they pick up on zero to five. You got to discipline and love and never anger. Listen, they will do things. Listen, I, listen, God did not just only put my life into my children's life to help train them and teach them. God put kids in your life, parents, to teach and train you. <laughs> Selah. I have learned more through every stage and I have to pay attention. I have to pay attention. Here's the deal. Cool down. When they set you off zero to five, just cool down. Do, never discipline in anger. Just cool. If you're a hothead, walk away just for a minute. Cool down. Because the punishment, the consequence, must always be appropriate for the infraction. Has to be appropriate. And there are parents who do not know appropriate ways to give it because that's not the way you were taught either. And what happened is some punished too severely for a minor infraction. And what they've developed is a child that resents the parent and actually becomes more rebellious. So you've got to find the way that it is appropriate for the infraction. And know the difference. Because they're zero to five. Know the difference between willful disobedience. You've got to study this. What is really willful disobedience? And what is just a youthful mistake because they're just three years old. Discern that. You got to be sensitive to their age and where they are. But you've got to deal with the willful, rebellious will, and there has to be a consequence when it occurs. But even when you ever have to correct, please let me tell you something that you need to do. You always do it with reconciliation and love at the end of it. Never allow your child to think that you are angry or mad at them continually. If you have to bring that consequence, you always bring it back with how much you love them, 
how much you care for them. They may not want you touching them, but you need to put your arm, let them feel your touch and your love because what you're trying to show them that when the Father, the Heavenly Father has to correct me, he always comes with a purpose of love and always reconciles me back to himself. All right, that's just in a nutshell. That's that parenting timeline, zero to five. You're the, you're the, you gotta deal with that. You gotta deal with the willful when you see willful rebellious consequences because we don't see parents doing this anymore. To show that there's a consequence when you don't honor and respect. Okay, no, the next stage is the training stage. You're the trainer. That's ages five to 12. This is when you're teaching them responsibilities, simply picking up their toys, things like that. You teach them responsibilities. This is really important, that five to 12 years of age. I love Proverbs 22. How many remember Pastor Troy talked about that? Proverbs 22, six. He says, train up a child in the way he should go, and she is inferred as well. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, how many know that is a positive thing right there? But when you read this in the Hebrew, it's true. That is very true. It's not a guarantee that they will, but if you don't, it's a guarantee they won't. But in the Hebrew, can I tell you that it is not in that positive term? It is actually in a negative term? Because in the English, the word should was placed in there. In the Hebrew, should is not there. So if you take should out of there, it would actually read, train up a child in his own way and when he's old he will not depart from it in other words that means if you let them do their own training they will go in the direction that you allow them well he's just I want them to individuality he's three he needs guidance they're 12 they need direction the 12 year old does not determine whether or not we're going to go to church or not because he's too sleepy, because he was up till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning playing video games with God knows who on the internet that you don't even know. And then he's too sweepy and we don't want to mess up his little psyche if we get him up too early on a Sunday. Read it, it's negative. Take the should out. You let your daughter, your son train themselves in their own way. When they get old, they're not leaving that. So whether how you want to read it in the Hebrew, you want to read it in the English, what it's saying is you be involved in the training and the direction and showing responsibility. So what does training mean? It means to guide them in a Christ-like character. Remember, remember this. If you want to be taken serious, Titus says, you've got to not just be saying it, you've got to be doing it. Don't tell them to go to church if you're sleeping in. Don't tell them to read the Bible if you never cracked the thing open. Don't tell them to pay the tithe if you're robbing God. Just don't do it. If you want to be taken seriously, show them the Christ-like manner in which you ask for forgiveness when you're wrong, when you apologize, when you serve somebody with no strings attached. Show them the Christ-like character. So guide them in Christ-like character and guide them to obey the Word of God. Say, I'm obeying the Word of God. We don't do this. <laughs> we don't do this simply because we go to church and we're trying to impress the neighbors. We do this because we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to do what he says to do. That's the training stage. Five, five, uh, it's that training stage, five to 12. Then you get in the coaching stage. See, if you don't, if some, some parents don't see that this. Now you're in the coaching stage, ages 13 to 19. You gotta be flexible. <laughs> you don't demand as much. 
you allow some independence. I know you loved how cute you could dress them when they were six years old. They're 13 now. Coach them, give some flexibility. You gotta have encouragement, affirm them in their calling, affirm them in the smallest things, affirm them, show them the greatest, because you have to deal with the negative things, let them hear you say more affirmative things than when you have to deal with the negative things. <clears throat> Especially fathers, fathers, affirm your daughters, please. Affirm them. This world is so cruel on your daughters and their bodies Somebody, the way they treat women and then pick on Christianity as it pushes someone down. Girls, you get more about your body type. Just, I mean, constantly the culture is after. You got to look right, wear the right clothes, have the right makeup. I, I understand, I get it. Everybody wants to look nice. But I'm telling you something. Dads, you do the greatest thing to affirm your daughter and how beautiful she is and how courageous she is, how productive she is, what she achieves, you tell her. Tell her before some young man has to do what your job was to do, was to affirm her. Because if he affirms her, I'm gonna tell you something, she's gonna vacillate toward him and away from you. Tell her how much you love her. Because I'm just gonna be honest with you. In the world, can I just be honest with you, and sometimes even in church, guys use love to get to sex, and girls will use sex to get the affirmation of love. I'm going to say it again. Y'all looking at me? Like, why is this man telling me this? I'm telling you, guys will tell you and affirm you with how much they love you to get sex, and girls need the love and the affection, the affirmation. They will use the sex to get the love. And it's devastating when things start breaking apart and you've given that away. So fathers, tell them how much you love them, how much God has a plan for them. Oh, tell them over and over and over and over and over. Tell them. Affirm your young men. Dads, there's a lot of this. Affirm your young men. Single moms, get, 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 get your sons around godly men in this church. Get them in the youth ministries. Get them get around godly men in this place. Young men need to be affirmed as men. Have a rite of passage. I remember I had a rite of passage at 13 when Nathan turned 13. Had men write him a letter. Had a rite of passage. Because the rite of passage in the world is when you finally have sex, then you become a man. When you have your first beer, then, you have, then you're a man. When you, all of a sudden you have your first joint, then you become, come on, be a man. Drink this beer. And that's what the world affirms to show you're a man. Can I tell you? When you affirm a man is when men start speaking over you are now becoming a man, and we're calling you a man. You may not be there, but we're going to start talking to you like a man. You're growing. Affirm young men to be men of God. I wasn't going to get into all that, but... Coach, you're a coach, 13 to 19. You're coaching. You're coaching. Pick your battles. Go ahead and give correction. Even allow them to make minor mistakes that will not harm them. Let them make minor mistakes. Let them make, let them make the minor mistakes so you can make it a teaching moment for them. Well, I just know it's going to, if it's something that's not going to harm them, let them make the mistake. Window timelines, parenting timelines. And then at 19 years plus, you become a friend and an advisor. Friend and advisor. And I usually don't give that advising unless I'm invited to do so. 
your friend and advisor. But some of us are still perceiving it as a 13 and you're wanting what you want 13. Got to take advantage of the timelines God's given you. Amen. How many, how many parents lead? Parents lead. And can I be honest with you? Some parents don't want to set boundaries at 3 and 4 and 5 and 13. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to honor God and things. They don't want to be kind in their, in their business dealings. Some parents don't want to set boundaries on their children because they themselves are not keeping the boundaries. And then they're wondering why their kid's doing what they're doing. You know, it's kind of like the mom and dad that had horrible parenting skills, horrible parenting skills. And as a result, the three little boys just got smart. I mean, they had smart mouths, disrespectful, because that's the way they were taught. Mom comes down one morning. The boys are sitting at the breakfast table. She goes, what do you want for breakfast? She asked the oldest of the little guys. He says, I want some stinking pancakes, woman. She wasn't the great at parenting skills. She smacked him down so fast. She looked at the second one next in line. And she goes, no, what do you want for breakfast? She says, I want some stinking pancakes, woman. I mean, they heard the dad talk this way. I mean, man, she smacked him down. Horrible parenting skills. Smacked him down. She went to the third one. She says, okay, and tell me, what would you like for breakfast? He said, I'll tell you one thing, woman. I don't want any stinking pancakes. <laughs> Horrible parenting skills, okay? Don't take those parenting skills. I'm just simply telling you that more things are caught than they are taught. He says, if you want to be a parent that is effective, if you want to be seriousness, do what you say you're don't just say it, but do what you say you're going to do. Do the word of God, and they will take your teaching seriously through all those stages of life. That's why I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, you want to follow my example? Well, follow me as I follow the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you that means we're not perfect people, but how many know, follow me as I follow the lordship of Jesus Christ because it's serious to me in everything I say and in everything I do. So parents lead. Can you say that with me? Parents lead. If parents lead, then here's what children need to understand. Children heed. They have to listen. Look at Colossians 3.20. It says, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. I want to take that word obey there just for a moment. In the Greek, that word obey means to listen. It means under. It means to welcome. That word in the Greek actually meant to open a door and to welcome the advice from a parent. To listen under, that submitting to parents. Isn't it amazing that sometimes we just tune people out? Have you just been sitting right in front of a person and they're not hearing a word you say? I mean, teenagers, I've watched some young people, their parents sitting there telling them right there, hey, we're not gonna do this. And it's not learning. They can't hear them. They're right in front of them. They can't. It's called selective hearing. I mean, they can't hear somebody three feet in front of them, but their cell phone can be on the other side of the house and they can hear this sound. <laughs> Clear on the other side of the house, they hear that noise. They're like Pavlov's dog, man. They start salivating. They got to get to that phone. They can hear that phone. I mean, you don't even have to have the chime on. You can have it on vibrate. It can, the phone can be in your car. You can be in the basement and you can feel the vibration go through the earth, up your spine and go, oh, I got to get my phone. I got to get my phone. <laughs> Am I right? He's saying when you listen to your parents, it's not just, well, they're my parents, they're over me. He says, no, would you really listen under and open the door don't let them bang the door down. 
invite and say, what do you think? Open the door and welcome it. And sometimes you can be 26 years old and 32 years old and maybe you need to open that door and welcome your parents' advice. Because you cannot obey someone that you are not listening to. And the problem is I see too many tuning out great advice from great people and they're taking in wrong advice from wrong people and they wonder why their lives are constantly in turmoil and frustrated. Mm. Seek out your parents' advice. 12, 13, 26, seek it out, welcome it, open the door. As stages of life change, but open the door. And parents, I just discovered something. Our kids will listen to us a lot more if we will stop and just listen to them and really lean in and hear what they're saying, even if we're going, this kid is out of their mind. Listen, though. Listen. You might actually, we might actually learn something. But young people, the Bible tells us that we are to obey our parents, to listen, to open the door, to welcome it. Don't wait for them to bang the door down. Welcome it. Seek out the advice. Go after the advice. That's what true submission is. Go after it. Don't wait for it to come. Go after it. Ask them what they think. Because I will tell you, you were not, you were not born with a propensity to obey. You and I were born with a proclivity to disobey and be rebellious. I had to learn how to obey. I didn't have to learn how to disobey. That just came naturally to Pastor Sam. I know some of you were just born. You were sweet, submissive your whole life. You didn't even cry. You didn't even want a bottle. Just, I'm fine. Psalm 58, 3 says, Wicked people are born sinners. Even from birth, they have lied and gone their own way. No one had to teach you how to disobey your parents. You were born that way. You and I have to be taught to obey because we were born with a will and we were born with a won't. And the first lesson God gives any of us is how to get under God-given authority. And you don't need to obey your parents only when you think they're right or it fits your desires. Now, I'm not asking you to obey something that's ungodly, something that's unethical, something that's unbiblical against the word of God. That's not what I'm asking you. But there are times you got to obey when you don't want to. Just think of Jesus. Just think for a second. What if Jesus Christ obeyed his heavenly father in everything? I mean, everything the father did, he said everything. But there was one thing he didn't want to do. He says, oh, that thing about going to the cross and dying. Do you understand how big of trouble you and I would be in today if Jesus Christ would have said, I'm going to obey you, Father, and everything, but... Because I've learned something. Even when I've rebelled as a teenager or as a young adult, can I tell you, sooner or later, you're going to learn you got to obey. Let me tell you, you say, well, I'll just do my own thing. Let me tell you, everybody... There is this magical day in America that you will learn to have to obey. It's April 15th. Who was he talking about? Is it a national holiday? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you say, well, I don't want to obey that national holiday. Great. I hope you like stripes. Well, I don't want to obey. You'll, you'll, somewhere along, someone's going to teach you. Whether you're a God-hater or not, you're going to learn to obey. 
Well, my car, man, my car was made for speed. Well, I'm sorry, but over there on Kenowa, it's like 40 right there. And if you'll be really smart, there's a cop that always hides behind that tree, so just go slow down because he's always right around that tree. It's a little piece of pastoral advice for you. <laughs> What's he saying? Obey. And I don't care if you're 86 years old and you're still kicking against the word of God. Obey your heavenly father. Because when parents lead and children heed, guess what? Both succeed. I love this. Obedience releases blessing of God in your life. Let me go to Ephesians 6 real quick. I'm going to bring this in for a landing. It says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first command with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The Apostle Paul said those words right there, but I want to take you to what he was quoting from was Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 when, when the commandments were given to God's people. He tells, he tells the people, he says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And I want to stop for a moment and, and, and talk to you about this because it's the elephant in the room. When I read this, I think about my 27-year-old daughter running to the arms of Jesus Christ. Because I know a lot of people that honored their parents and died before old age. I've known children who'd gone to be in the presence of the Lord, not even at the age of accountability. And with the Lord, and parents have wondered, was my kid dishonorable, disrespectful, dishonoring to me? I'm, I'm gonna tell you, Sarah was one of the most honoring of Jesus and honoring her parents that I'm tell you, a parent could ever ask for. I mean, just she was, I mean, very honoring of her mom and dad. Love, love, love the ministry. And then I found, I have found people that have grown to be 91 years old and they're the most disrespectful, dishonoring people you ever met and why would you be sucking in air longer when you're the most hateful person you've been this your whole life? Now I wish I knew all the answers, I really do because I got bunches of questions. But let me tell you a scripture that I couldn't have preached this four months ago or three months ago. But when I came across Isaiah 57, it was a real revelation to me. It says, good people pass away, the godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand all that. I don't know what it might be, but I do know that God is a lot smarter and I'd rather have his plan than mine any day. And there is, there is a promise with that because you obey, I'm just telling you, I mean, if you obey stop signs and you obey traffic signals, it could keep you out of a horrible, horrible, tragic accident. But when I begin to read this, I begin to look at this and when I saw this, the Old Testament promise, he said to promise them a land. 
He was promising them something. I know some preachers say that the promised land is a type of heaven. Some be, may be of that persuasion. But what it was, it was more than just about a land. It was about God making them a nation. It was God about make, make, making them a nation. It wasn't just for them because there were people that, that had died and never got to see that promise. But he was talking about a land. He was talking about a nation. The Bible teaches that the land was promised by God to the nation of Israel that will one day ultimately be fulfilled when Jesus Christ sets up his return and his rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords in the new heaven and the new earth. So what it's talking about, it's not just talking about the moment of time. It is also talking about eternity. Because when I looked at Paul's word in Ephesians 6, 3, the word earth, in the Greek, one of the words was also world. And when I looked up world, world meant time, and it also meant eternal. So what he's saying is, is don't just put things in the scope of time, mom or dad, or some of you have lost someone and gone to Jesus before their time of old age. He said, it is not just about the now, because Jesus always saw, you're always thinking about the now, you are not looking to the then of eternal long life that is forever and forever and forever in my presence. And when you put it in that context and not just earthly terms, because what's long life to somebody may be, not long to another person. I just read where a guy died at 147 years of age. They have video of it. I'm going, oh Lord, please, I don't think I want to last that long. Amen. 147 years old. So what's long life there? I'm telling you, friends, it would make a difference if God gave you 147 years. If you are not prepared for eternity, there is no life after that. It is eternal destruction after that. And 147 seconds will look like a, like a zepta second by the time you put it in the context of eternity. It's, more than, it's less than a flash, friends. How many know what God really wants us to do is to prepare our children to live for the then of eternity with the family of God and the Heavenly Father and not just the scope of what life Long life is here. Time and eternal. That's forever and ever and ever and ever. But he says, honor your parents. Honor your parents. This is right. It pleases God. So there's going to come a time when you no longer have to obey your parents, friends. You'll move out of your house. Okay. You'll get married. There's going to come a time you won't have to obey them because you're on your own. You get your degree, you move on. But there will never come a time when you no longer honor your parents. So some of you are going, okay, you didn't know my old man. You don't even have an honor term of honor for him. You don't know my old lady. Man, beat me. I want you to hit my mom. My father sexually abused me. How do you want me to honor that? These are the tough questions in church we talk about. Amen. So how does a child honor a parent whose behavior was absolutely abusive and unbiblical? And here's what I've come to. That honor may be reduced to the honor of the office of a parent and not the person 
who was the parent. I don't understand that. There comes a time where because of their abuse and it's never changed, you've had to set boundaries and God expects you to. There maybe have to be arm's length, but you can still set those boundaries and honor the office of the parent. To be polite, to be respectful to the office and showing honor, listen to me, showing honor never requires distorting the truth. They may never apologize to you. They may never mend the relationship or apologize. Maybe the reason they're even further away is because they know exactly what they did. Or they may even act like nothing happened. And in front of their friends, they're talking about how wonderful the family was. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Honoring does not mean you go along with their lie they live. But let me tell you this. You can look at the office and respect the office of a parent and honor it. Let me show you how. You ever had to go to court? Just because a judge sits there in that courthouse doesn't mean he's born again. He might be an abuser himself. But when you're in that court, you respect the office and you say your honor. You don't know what his life is. You just going, he made you be just like my dad. He's just never been ratted out. Maybe just like my mom, but she's never been ratted out. But when you go into that court, there's an office where you say your honor. And you can respect that office. I think that's happened so many times where we confuse the person with the offices that God established. And so we can sometimes say things in front of our kids that disrespect the office when you're not dealing with a person's own issues, where you don't honor the poor so your kid treats them bad and says the same smart aleck thing you said when you saw them holding a sign at the street corner. Get a job. I'm telling you, you have to hand out cash, but you don't have to be dishonoring of a person in the image of God. When you start trashing that teacher, they think that's what every teacher's like. You dishonor the elderly, they'll dishonor the elderly. But honor that person, no matter how old they are, crank they are at least the office of someone in the image of God. I can set my boundaries. How many follow what I'm saying? Law enforcement. You might have one bad officer, but your child thinks every officer is that way, male or female, no matter what their race is. Teach them honor of the office. Do you think that God only relegates me to pray for the people in political offices that I voted for? He says, you honor the office, and if they're making scriptural bad decisions, I command you to pray for them. 
and respect the office I've established. But pray. Doesn't mean you don't have honest dialogue, but you can do it in an honoring way. Hmm. You say, Pastor, that's pretty tough when it comes to my parents. I'm going to tell you, though, take my word for it. Forgive them. I'm not telling you forgive and move on. I'm not to live a lie and act deluded. I'm telling you to forgive and move up. <laughs> forgive and move up. Move up. Move up. Our past, no matter how bad it's been, does not have to ruin the future that we have with Jesus Christ. When even Jesus, who was abused, who was crucified, says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And he rose up into heavenly places. I'm telling you, it's the same thing for you and me. It doesn't mean you act like it never happened, but it means forgive and move up to the place of favor and honor God's putting you in because you honor God ultimately. How many of you can give God praise for that today? Amen in this room. Amen.